There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Come on, girls. Let's go shopping. That's not a knife. <laughs> this is a knife. What are you looking at? Rolling in a boy jumping man. You're mad, you bastard. Far am you. Far am you. There's no cash here. Here, there's no cash, right? Cash, no. Robo? No cash. Where to Christ, Liz, you get a bag of all sorts in here, mate. Welcome to Walk Walk. Hello and welcome to Last New Wave, the podcast that looks at the wide and married landscape that is Australian cinema. We shall acknowledge traditional custodians of the land that this podcast is being recorded on, the Wajak people of the Perth region. We recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and community and pay our respects to them, their cultures and to their elders both past and present. On this episode, I interview the director of the documentary Secrets at Sunrise, Janine Riggs. Janine is one half of the team that makes up Riggs Australia. She is joined by her husband, Dave Riggs, and they are natural history filmmakers. Secrets at Sunrise is a documentary which focuses on the very, very limited amount of Western ground parrots that are left in the world, specifically in the part of the world that I come from, Western Australia. Janine is a director that, that comes from the southwest of Western Australia, uh, down near the region of Esperance. So if you ever look at the map of Australia, that big chunk that sits at the bottom, that's about where she she's based. It's a really remote part of, of Australia. It's, it's about 800 kilometers away from Perth. Uh, so very, very far away from everything else. And it's quite a distance as well from Adelaide too, which makes you know, the, the care and the monitoring of the animals in this particular environment, very, very difficult. Secrets at Sunrise was a really beautiful documentary, which unfortunately I didn't get to see at Revelation Film Festival, but thankfully uh, Janine managed to send me through a link so I could watch it uh, prior to interviewing her, and I'm, I'm glad that I did. Um, she mentions in the interview as well that there is a screening that should be coming up in September at Perth Zoo, uh, so I'll make sure to put the links to that when it goes up on our social media, so Facebook and on Twitter as well, because you know, I, I absolutely love watching this film at home, and I think it would look even better on a big screen. Anyway, that's enough rambling from me. Let's have a listen to the trailer. The trailer is mostly about—it's got mostly music in it, um, but I'll put a link in the show notes as well because uh, you know it certainly um, gives you an idea of what this particular film is about. Uh, in the fact that you know this is about dealing with something is very very difficult to to care for and 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 maintain and monitor which is the western ground parrot there are less than 150 of these birds in the world and through tragic events like uh, bushfires and just simply um you know, unfortunate breeding uh, occurrences and stuff like that um they've been very hard to maintain as a species but the documentary is more than just about these parrots. It is about the changing world that we live in and how we need to pay attention to and care for the biodiversity hotspots that we have. Um, one of the biodiversity hotspots where this particular uh, Western Grand Parrot exists is down near Esperance. Anyhow, as I've said, here's the trailer and be back with the interview. Undoubtedly, we're in the middle of a global 
extinction event that's seeing things that haven't even been described disappearing. How much wildlife perished in the fire? We just don't know. Hopefully they flew. We know they don't do that easily, but fingers crossed we'll find some. We haven't given up hope yet. Look, look, parrot, 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 parrot. We've heard birds. We're lucky. I feel lucky. We'll certainly be happy if we get some chicks on the ground. There's been no surveys done, so who knows what's happening out there. one of the rarest birds in Australia. What are you doing to make sure it will be around for the next generation? It's really a race against time now. You know, so few birds remaining that, you know, we could be working with the last birds of the species. It will have a happy ending. I hope so. <laughs> We had one at the Pursue, yeah, which was go? something that we had already organised beforehand. Oh, that went really well. Yeah, we, um, so they've just got a smallish theatreette there that holds 100 people. It's more set up for um, corporate um, meetings and training sessions and presentations, but um, they had a nice projector and we hired a nice big surround sound speaker set and yeah it was fully sold out um so we sold the 100 tickets and then there was 20 odd people waiting at the door oh, wanting wow. to be let in so we had to shuffle in <laughs> another 20 seats <laughs> and squeeze them in um so yeah that w went really well yeah um but that and that was a um, 100 percent fundraiser one that so all the funds were raised through ticket sales um go back to the Friends of the Western Ground Parrot, which is the charity group that I've teamed up with. Yeah, which is fantastic. We'll, we'll get yeah. on to that in a little bit. Um, so I'll, I'll probably... Okay. I'll, I'll leap into asking you about um, how you came about to, to sort of tell this story of the Western Ground Parrot. Okay. Yeah, sure. Well, um, <laughs> so my husband and I, Dave, we've been making wildlife docos for nearly 20 years and um, yeah, predominantly wildlife docos but um, you know, natural history 
focused films and um, we ha- we just have a fascination with wildlife and nature and the natural world and want to you know want to sort of pass on what we know about it and what we see through filming it to others and you know sort of instill an, an appreciation of what we've got um, here in Australia and um, so I have been I've had a relationship with um, the work that parks and wildlife do some of their conservation projects for a long time now I mean that's not what I focus on exclusively obviously there's all sorts of um, different scientific organisations that we've also worked with. Um, but, yeah, it was during a film that I was making back in 2011, I think it was, um, an educational-type documentary based on um, some of the amazing conservation projects happening on the south coast of WA. And I um, was doing research for that film and became aware of this incredibly um, endangered or critically endangered bird, Western ground parrot, and um, found out that it actually lived in a national park just probably 120-odd k's east of where I live in Esperance in a really remote national park. And I thought, wow, that would be a really cool um, project to cover as part of that film. And uh, so I went out and met the team from Parks and Wildlife out there and, yeah, just went out and did a listening survey for the ground parrot mm. and heard some ground parrots um, really quite close on that very first encounter and just found the whole experience, like, really amazing. You know, being out in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the bush with this little team of people who are just so passionately... Um, determined to help these, you know, this small pocket of remaining parrots survive. And, um, yeah, learnt a lot about the work they were doing with um, feral cat um, mitigation, trying to eradicate feral cats because they're a a huge threat to the ground parrot. Um, And, you know, different, different work they're doing with fire, regimes and fire ecology and um, threatened plants and all that sort of stuff and and some amazing work that they are also doing Western Shield which involves setting trap lines and um, baiting them with a special mixture of peanut butter and oats <laughs> and seeing what falls into the traps every morning and um, that this is a sideline to the work they're doing with the Western Ground Parrot and yeah so I was really privy to be able to go out and, and check the traps with them every morning while I was out there and these incredibly gorgeous little creatures in them like honey possums and gunnarts and uh, bandicoots and all sorts of frogs and reptiles and things. I, I just thought, oh wow, this is amazing. There's a doco in this. Yeah. So yeah, um, started developing the idea and getting all the permits and permissions that I needed and lining everything up and then um, yeah, launched into making a doco about it. Yeah, it's so yeah, that's how it all came about. It, it's really fascinating as well because it's. It, 
it's kind of like a um, tip of the iceberg kind of story in the sense that you know it's it is about the Western grand parrot, but as you as you just been saying, you know there is so many different aspects of of the care and uh, the rehabilitation and the the you know the uh, especially uh, sort of uh, an investigation in, in I guess is the word I'm looking for into how to care and make mm. sure that these animals stay alive and eradicating the cats. Um, so in that regard, yeah. it's really fascinating. Um, and I guess in an, in an educational sense, it's really informative too. And it's, yeah. it's such a beautiful... Yeah, it's an incredibly um, complex. Sorry, you mm. go. Yeah. Oh, it's just a really complex um, issue, you know, um, making species... Well, sorry, not making species, but allowing species to survive in such a radically changed landscape um, and, and how to get that balance right um, and, you know, maintaining biodiversity. It's, it's a really tricky thing and, um, yeah, the work that these guys do at Parks and Wildlife, is, it's really complicated um, and it's, it's pioneering too, you know. Um, not, a lot of these species are really quite unknown and they're really cryptic and they're hard to work with. Mm. A lot of them are nocturnal <laughs> and really shy as well, especially the ground parrot. Like it's re- its colouring makes it really blend into the environment out there and, um, you know, obviously they're ground-dwelling species so they don't, you know, really regularly fly around in the sky um, so they're hard to hard to see hard to study hard to quantify what sort of numbers they're they're working with out there um, yeah so that all added a real um, extra element of <laughs> um, of, of um, complexity to the doco as well yeah well um, having such a cryptic subject i i found it really fascinating as somebody so i before getting really interested in film i mean i've always been interested in film but i was a vet nurse for eight years and i did a lot of work with um uh wildlife in uh helping out with native arc which is based in biber lake um and that was yeah. you know certainly a an eye-opening experience for me dealing with a lot of um yeah. creatures that you don't usually get to see and you know the the ones that, that fall into these traps um and they're very safe traps of course um you know they, these are animals which you just don't see at all and they're no. really beautiful animals too <laughs> yeah they are aren't they yeah and you know for a lot of people they'll go for a drive out to a national park and you just you see the bush and you see how beautiful and diverse and colourful that is but it doesn't really look like there's much in the way of wildlife in amongst it apart from you know kangaroos and emus like big things like that but yeah little little do you realise that there's it's full of other critters in the undergrowth and you know tunnel burrowed down and yeah it all sort of comes out at night and mm. it's I, there but yeah i think you'd shared a picture on social media of um the the exhibit at perth zoo and i think you'd mentioned you know who can find the actual the the parrot in the picture and yeah. you know i've stared at that picture for a while and i've got no idea where it is so it's i can only imagine what it's no. like when you've got a whole 
huge, you know, kilometres of, of space yeah. to try and find these things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like finding a needle in a haystack, you know, it really is. Um, I did probably 10 or 12 trips throughout the course of filming this documentary out to Cape Arid and, you know, for four or five nights at a time out to Cape Arid with the team from Parks and Wildlife. And although I was predominantly focused on filming the people and, and the, um, you know, the action, I also spent a considerable amount of time just walking around in the bush with my camera or hiding, you know, um, trying to, you know, make like a tree kind of thing and hoping to be able to see a brown parrot. But mm. no, never mm. saw one, or apart from one in flight as it buzzed by us um, during a listening, serv- uh, listening survey. But, yeah, they're, they're really, really hard to see. And actually, Sarah Coma, the, um, one of the, the lead characters in the film, she worked on them for five years studying them and, and, and working with them before she actually saw one. Wow. So, yeah, you know, they're, they're not easy. They're <laughs> not an easy subject to film. <laughs> well, I, I think that's what but you managed course- to show really well is that, you know, this is in the middle of nowhere and, you know, these are people that are really dedicated to, to doing stuff that, that may have really devastating, you know, outcomes at, at certain times. Like, it's this is... It, it's both an optimistic story, but it's also heartbreaking in some regard. Um, how was that for you as a filmmaker yeah. to capture all of that? Um, yeah, I. It, that was really tricky because these are, you know, scientists. They're not actors, and to be honest, um, although they were really accommodating with having me hanging around, pointing the camera at them, none of them were you know, incredibly comfortable with the camera. So I had to, yeah, be very aware that I wasn't um, being too in their face or um, becoming annoying sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I it was hard to capture that emotion. There actually was a lot more emotion in real life than what I probably captured on film um, because, you know, I was very aware these are real people and um, they, they care deeply about nature and the ground parrot and all the other species that they're working with and um, I, I didn't want them to feel uncomfortable with me capturing their every emotion sort of thing um, on, on, on camera. Mm. But, um, yeah, I think Sarah says to me now that she, most of the time, didn't even know I was there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she, know, she knew I was there, but never felt like, you know, there was this ever-present uh, camera lurking around. Um, I kind of just had this ability, I guess, to bend into the background and um, hopefully allow people to just um, be themselves and not be very self-conscious um, but yeah it was it was incredibly emotional for them and me too you know yeah it was just 
such radical highs and lows. You know, we come out of one fire to capture a couple of ground parrots, which was just like the most amazing high, having those ground parrots, knowing that, wow, this really could be exactly what we need to get this captive breeding population happening, only to lose them. That was just so devastating. And, um, yeah, the, the team at, pa- at Pursue, um, they were so traumatised by um, all of those deaths, um, particularly Dawn, their, their real um, champion female, when they lost her. The guys at Pursue were just absolutely devastated. You know, they... They they couldn't actually ring me to tell me that it had happened for a few days because they were so upset. Um, so, yeah, I went up a few days later and sort of saw the aftermath of, you know, having lost Dawn. But, yeah, it was, it's been a real roller coaster ride and um, it is very sensitive work and, you know, they're all just doing the best they can with a species that not much is known about and... Um, yeah, it's just proving incredibly tricky to work with. Mm. Well, I think I think that's the thing for for people who live in cities and live, you know, are, are detached from the work that these people do. It's easy to kind of go, "Oh, that's great," you know, you're, you're doing a great job. But it's it, there is also, in some regard, a disconnect in the sense that we we forget that human element of the, of what goes into these exhausting things and so it's it's great to see that yeah. you've included those aspects into this story because it it makes it all the more powerful and and even more so i think that you know as somebody who who cares about conservation and stuff like that you're like okay really we need to get behind these people and support them and then through a film like your own your film it would should help out with that in in some regards um so the, yeah. next, the next question i have in in is that you know you've this is kind of this is a, a very land based uh, documentary um, about you know land based creatures. But in the past, you've done uh, mm-hmm. documentaries about you know sharks and stuff like that. How is the difference yeah. in in you know working with uh, aquatic life versus uh, land based stuff? How how what's the change? Um, I find a lot more working with land based wildlife, you know, terrestrial wildlife, um, going out on boats and, um, you know, jumping in the ocean and, um, and diving. I, di- I used to do a lot of that when I was younger, before I had kids. But you know what? To be honest, I'm a, I'm a little bit more cautious these days. Um, yeah, I used to be very gung-ho. And um, so I think having having children actually has played a big part in um, my dragging myself up onto land, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, it is it, it's more accessible. I actually get quite seasick too, so I never used to though. Um, when Dave and I first started making film we were stuck in Shark Bay and we lived up there for a couple of years and we were working on a, a film for National Geographic on tiger sharks and we were out in boats 
every day, pretty much. Um, you know, scouring the bay for tiger sharks and all their prey items. You know, like so, turtles and sea snakes and dugongs and dolphins and rays and all sorts of things. Diving all the time, um, and I never got seasick, never. Um, but yeah, I. There is something definitely different about the south coast of WA too. It just feels a lot more exposed. Um, it can get very rough. So, yeah, in, in recent years, we've also done a lot of work off the Bremer Canyon oh, yeah. offshore of Bremer Bay with killer whales there. And um, it gets really rough out there. Um, so, but, you know. It's fascinating still, and I do it any. I still do it, even though I get incredibly seasick. Because just to be out there amongst those killer whales, you know, these wild animals, um, yeah, that's something pretty special. I, I can imagine <laughs> it's worth it. Yeah, and you know where where your base is in is like a a really spectacular slice of the world. Like I've I've been down there a few times, and every time I'm like, wow, this is. We're very lucky to have such a you know biodiverse aspect of, of Australia yeah. right there. Um, I can only imagine what yeah. it's like living there and, and experiencing that, you know, day in, day out. It's got to be pretty exciting, yeah. Mm, yeah, well, it is. Um, I've, I've grown up here and, and lived here most of my life, although I have been lucky enough to do quite a bit of travelling with what I do for a living. But, um, yeah, I think... Coming back to the south coast, every time you just feel a sense of how incredibly beautiful and um, in, in parts reasonably untouched it is and remote too. You know, I think it's the distance away from the capital city, Perth, um, it's, it's too much for some people to travel and that mm. in a way has helped to keep it in a relatively pristine state down here. So, um, yeah, it does, it, it really does feel like um, quite a special place and it's, and it's been recognised as, as part of one of only 34, I think, um, biodiversity hotspots in the world. Mm. So it is incredibly special and I feel like we need to do as much as we can to keep it that way and to raise awareness so that people want to, you know, help um, preserve it. So in that regard, the, you work with your husband and the, the sort of the, the organisation that you've got is uh, Riggs Australia, is that correct? Mm, yeah. Yeah, so is that, yeah. That, is that the key goal of Riggs Australia to, to tell these kinds of stories and, and showcase the, the nature of Australia and, and make it more aware to the wide world? Yeah, yep, I guess that is. I mean, you know, that's not what we set out to do. We never really had a, um, a, a career goal. You know, right back 20 years ago when we first started, it wasn't, right, we're going to make wildlife docos, and that's what we're going to do. <laughs> but <laughs> we we kind of lucked into it, to be honest, and then realised after we finished that first job with National Geographic how incredibly lucky we were 
to have got that gig in the first place and then it was, yep, this is what we want to do for the rest of our lives. And, yeah, I think wildlife and, and, and the people who study that wildlife in the course of their work is what we're focused on. Um, yeah, it, it, I don't know, just... <laughs> or it's just continuously fascinating, you know, and there's always something new. There's always amazing projects going on and um, it's just inspiring and, yeah, certainly... So what's keep our interest? What's the difference between working with a film like this and working for National Geographic? Um, with a film, you know, when you're when you're working for a a a big broadcaster, they you go and collect the footage basically and hand it over to them, and they mould the story. Um, so you relinquish creative control and um, that was fine you know for our introduction into the filmmaking industry we were quite happy to do that Um, but yeah as we've gone on we realise that no we want to actually you know create the film ourselves and 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 tell the story and 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 have the the major say in how that story plays out as much as you can with wildlife. I mean, a lot of the time, nature will dictate how the story plays out. But um, yeah, I, I when you work for a, a a big broadcaster or a network, yeah, you're you just work for them and collect the footage mm. and. They do the rest basically. And yeah. Then on a film like this, you can you have a little a little bit more freedom, I guess, it, which is great to see. Um, yeah, absolutely. But you know, it's it's a lot harder this way because yeah. you have to, uh, you know, get all the funding and um, do all the production, the scheduling, and um, yeah. Uh, post-production and then distribution yourself so it's a lot more hands-on a lot more work Uh, but I think in a way it's a lot more satisfying too to know that I made this film (laughs) you know with not much help really apart from well you know uh, with Secret Sunrise I was incredibly lucky to have the support of the Friends of the Western Ground Parrot alongside me all the way and Together we um, were um, successful in getting a, a nice grant, a very decent grant from the state NRM program, which you know, took the pressure off mm. um, off me, sort of doing it all self-funded, and allowed me to bring on some really creative West Australians to help me finish it off. Um, so yeah, that was awesome. Uh, I couldn't have done it without that. I don't think. So, uh, but yeah, when you work for a big for a big broadcaster, you know the funding's sorted. But yeah, you relinquish creative control. Mm, I guess it's a it's a it's a catch twenty two in some regards. Um, uh, yeah. Just a couple more questions, and and then I'll, I'll let you go on your day with a what sounds like a nicer. Uh, Nicer weather than, than what we're having up here. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Oh, I wish I was down there. <laughs> beautiful down here. 
Um, mm. So husband and wife nature teams in Australia, it happens, mm. you know, there, there are quite a few. It's quite interesting if you're looking over the history of, of um, you know, documentary filmmakers in Australia, um, there are quite a few. Is, mm. Were you inspired by people like Ron and Valerie Taylor, who obviously, you know, their work way back when, uh, you know, was really uh, quite pivotal in, in capturing footage of, of stuff that we hadn't seen before. Was was that a, you know, inspiration for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Although I, they, they were a bit before my time, really. Um, I was always aware that, you know, what they were doing was mm. amazing, what they had done and what they still do, really, although... Ron's no longer with us, but what Valerie is still doing is incredible and inspiring. Um, but I, I've never actually seen a lot of their films, to be honest. I'm, I'm aware of the work they did on Jaws, um, and but probably more inspiring for me was um, Andrew and Elizabeth Perra Cook. Um, Dave and I, yeah, looked to the work they did with. Islands of the Vampire Birds and Galapagos and things like that. Um, yeah, that they are incredibly inspiring for us. Mm. Um, but yeah, you're right. Um, husband and wife teams with wildlife filmmaking seem to work really well. Um, I, I can't think of any more offhand, but I know I know they're out there. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, um, I think. Probably a lot of other teams, though. I know Howard and Michelle Hall as well. They're Americans. But I think maybe where we differ is that with a lot of those teams, the male does, you know, the bloke does the filming and the, and the woman will get the sound or do the production side of things. But I'm also yeah, heavily involved in in the filming as well. I really love doing that. So, yeah, Dave and I are a very balanced team. That's great um, to see. Yeah, and it is it is great working together, but, you know, there are times where you tear your hair out as well. <laughs> <laughs> do, <laughs> do your kids know about what you guys do so, as like, well? With this project, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're very aware. They've, you know, it's been part of their lives since they were born. When um, when our son was three months old, we took him out to the Abolis Island wow. <laughs> and he sat there in his little mittens and beanie sucking his dummy, looking out as we were charging out across from Geraldton out to the Abolis and mum and dad jumping on the boat, diving with sharks and stuff. And Yeah, no, it's, it's part of their lives and um, they're very aware of the natural world and... Um, yeah, our daughter in particular, she wants to be a zookeeper. That's all she's ever wanted to be. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's very much part of their lives too. But um, we're not certainly not going to force them into making films themselves. They can do what they want. But no. they both show very creative tendencies. So I'd say they'll have something to do with, you know, educating people about the environment and wildlife which well that's a good that's a good segue to the last question which is that you know the the work that Perth Zoo do the work that you know all of these organizations do is really important and, and powerful um 
is there a, a, a place mm-hmm. where people can, you know, head over and support the, the work that people do? Is there a specific um, organisation that you would recommend people seek out to mm. support, particularly for the, the Western Ground Parrot? Yeah, absolutely. Well, as I mentioned, um, the Friends of the Western Ground Parrot have been a huge support for me and, and hugely supportive of the documentary all the way through. Um, through the production and so if people want to help probably the best thing they can do is become a member of the Friends of the Western Ground Parrot or make a donation via their website they're actually fundraising at the moment they're trying to raise $80,000 which is a huge undertaking um, but Anne Bond and the chair, chairperson is an incredible lady she's just so determined that she's going to make it happen and they need that $80,000 um, to to um, get some more ground parrots for the captive breeding program at mm-hmm. Perth Zoo because um, if you've watched the film you'll know um, they're in desperate need of more ground parrots because four birds really <laughs> isn't much of a captive isn't much of a um, captive program mm-hmm. um, yeah, they don't really have much of a hope of getting them to breed when there's only one female. So, yeah, if people want to help, they could get onto the Western Ground Parrot uh, website or Facebook page and, and make a donation. That would be awesome. And, and will there be more screenings of the film around, you know, Western Australia or Australia in the future? Um, is there a plan to kind of travel it around a bit? Yeah, well, I've I've um, submitted the film to several festivals, film festivals, and the P- Revelation Perth International Film Festival was the first one it got set into, and there's a few more I'm still waiting to hear back on. So with a bit of luck, um, it'll 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 get into a few of those other festivals, and then um, yeah, we, we're trying to um, get attention of the ABC to to acquire the film because we'd love for it to be available on free-to-air TV. Mm. Uh, we may have to reversion it for television, though, because it's 80 minutes, so, um, yeah, it might be slightly too long for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, and... We will definitely be doing. We've, we've had a few um, cinema, oh, cinema screenings in regional locations in WA, and and they've gone down really well. Um, thoroughly engaged audiences, and just yeah, people pretty blown away by the story. To be honest, um, people get have been you know quite surprised by how emotional. They've been um, watching the film and, and perhaps not expecting to be quite so affected by the plight of the of this parrot, but yeah, um, it's, it's kind of taken people by surprise, and um, that's the reaction we were hoping for. So that's really good. Um, but yeah, really, we if, if you want to um, get onto the Secrets of Sunrise Facebook page. That's where people. I'm. I'm sort of keeping it updated as to where the film is screening next. So that's probably the best way to keep in touch. 
Fantastic. And I'll make sure to, to share all the links to that as well because, you know, it's, yeah, it's cool. it is a really emotional film and it's a great film. I I, I thought it was a really mm. beautiful film and, and not just because of my, you know, bias with loving animals and all that kind of stuff, but it, it's a good film <laughs> in, in regards to the fact that it tells a story that, you know, you could almost transplant this mm. story to anywhere else in the world and this kind of thing is happening anywhere around the world and and it, it's just yeah, a, a it sign is. that we've got to be more active in, in caring for these things. Yeah, that's right. And I hope people um, sort of get an understanding and get a feeling that this is a this story is kind of symbolic of a, a greater global issue that is species extinction and it's playing out everywhere. Um, but, you know, there's people who are trying to help and we need to get behind them and support them. Um, yeah, we'll give it our best shot. That's it, exactly. Well, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's, it's been a really fantastic discussion. Okay. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's lovely to chat to you, Andrew. Nope. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Last New Wave. It's a really fascinating interview that I had with Janine there. And, you know, personally, as an animal lover, I got a lot from it. And I understood uh, what we can do as, as people to try and help with the conservation of, of animals like the Western Grand Parrot. So with that in mind, even if you haven't seen this film or, or didn't manage to get along to the screening at Revelation or may not have a chance in the future of seeing it, uh, that doesn't mean you can't help. So I'm going to throw a bunch of links at you right now. I'll also put these in the show notes um, and also make them available on abfilmreview.com um, so that if you want to support the, the uh, project for the Western Grand Parrot in any way possible, then you can do. So the main website is for the Friends of Western Grand Parrot and that is wwwwestern ground parrot.org.au there you can find out how to volunteer how to donate you can sign up to the newsletter and you can also find out about the secrets at sunrise the secrets at sunrise website is also pretty easy it's a little bit easier to remember too it's secrets at sunrise.com and it has links to that particular page i just mentioned too on there so you can certainly uh, find a little bit more information about what you can do to help out with the western ground parrot there too if you're interested in finding a little bit more about what janine does with her husband dave you can head over to their website which is rigsaustralia.com and that tells you a little bit more about their history too if you're interested in what i do then you can head over to abfilmreview.com to listen to previous episodes of The Last New Wave, as well as episodes of our other show, which is AB Film Review, uh, where we review regular films and stuff like that. Um, also head over to followingfilms.com to listen to episodes of The Following Films Podcast, where host Chris Maynard interviews various different uh, film guests as well. Really, really great stuff there. Look, that's enough from me. You've had a, enough of my voice. Uh, I really appreciate you having downloaded and listened to this episode. And, you know, certainly if you are in Perth around September when the screening of Secrets at Sunrise is on, then please try and head along to go and see it because, uh, you know, it's certainly a cause that needs supporting and it's a fantastic film as well. 
With that in mind, keep on watching Australian films and I'll see you in the next episode of The Last New Wave.